The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. All right, open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3, if you would, please. Ephesians chapter 3. As you're turning there, I'll remind you, before last week's break, we were coming to the end of a series entitled Limitless. Just before that, we were looking at 1 Peter and the concept of setting our hope. And we're, we're in an era where things are getting shaken up, unsettled, and uncertain. And so there is a hope search that people all over the planet are engaging in. Now more than ever, what people used to be looking for was uh, purpose and fulfillment and personal happiness. And now as the future becomes so uncertain for so many, many people are grasping for something to hope in. And we are the ones who are supposed to be delivering that answer. Can I get an amen? And so we learned from Peter how to set our hope that we might be able to convey that hope to others. We learned that we need to shift our paradigm, prepare our mind, fix our eyes, and adjust our expectations. And coming out of that series, we realized the reality that we all too often create much higher expectations of people than we ought to. This is why we find ourselves let down, disappointed, disillusioned, and dejected. But we also sometimes don't set our expectations on God high enough and we live in a subpar and substandard experience of the miraculous work that he wants to do in and through every single one of us. And I believe now more than ever. And so we looked at Paul's letter to the Ephesians to see this idea of God's limitless power that is toward us and for us and how that is manifested in redemption, his forgiveness, and how that, how that is meant to be what changes, radically alters our experience of God and, and, and makes us whole and then flows through us as we are the most forgiving people. We are the ones who love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us and bless those who curse us. And in order to do that, we have to have that spiritual power and that spiritual power has a source. And so as we get to Ephesians chapter three and the end of these three chapters of rich theological reality, the apostle Paul is about to transition into what does this look like in action? So chapters four, five, and six are all about how do we do this in the church? How do we do this in marriage? How do we do this with, with our children? How do we do this in business? How do we do this um, as we fight the enemy? And so there's a lot of practical application that's coming in verse four, five, and six, or chapter four, five, and six. But the apostle Paul knows that we need this ongoing experience, this overwhelming experience of God's limitless love to empower the kind of freedom and forgiveness and mission that we're called into. And so chapter three is this odd kind of um, rabbit trail, cumbersome explanation in prayer. I don't know if you've ever read Ephesians chapter three before, but it reads really awkwardly and that's on purpose. And it's supposed to make us slow down and consider it. And so while I was planning to cram everything I could think to say and preach on into one sermon on limitless love, uh, I experienced the Holy Spirit saying, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And so I'm listening. And so what I'd like to do this morning is actually usher us into our next season uh, as a church. We're gonna just hang out in verses 14 to 21 for an unknown number of weeks before we get to December. And we're gonna just kind of learn to deep dive what this limitless love of God is all about. And we're gonna, I think you're gonna have your mind blown to to plumb the depths and to explore the dimensions of God's love. And that's a love that's for you specifically. 
And so what I'd like to do this morning is to kind of give you an overview of this prayer that Paul prays and to give you some handles. And then I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to consider making these verses part of your daily Bible reading. I don't know what you read every day. If you read nothing, this would be a great thing for you to read. It only takes a few minutes. If you are on a Bible plan, this only takes a few extra minutes. But come along this journey with us. And if you're here for the first time, I'm going to ask you and invite you to only stay here for this series. To just stay here and hang out with us. And then at the end of that, you can decide if you want to leave or go try another church. But by then, you'll already go here. So it'll be fine. <laughs> so I want, to, I want to pray and I want to ask God to do the impossible. Are you ready? God, I thank you that you are the God of the impossible. Lord, you have created the natural world. God, history and science allow us to examine what you've done and how you've done it. And yet you are the God of creation. You are the God of history. You are the eternal one. You are our maker, creator, sustainer, and life giver, God. And, and we, just want to, we just want to experience your gift of a sixth sense beyond what we can see and hear and smell and taste and touch. God, we want to be perceptive of a reality that's outside of our everyday physical experience, but one that is nonetheless real. God, we want to experience your presence and power and your overwhelming and limitless love for us. God, a love that makes us whole a love that restores us, a love that directs us and compels us, and a love that your word tells us ultimately will transform the globe and every person on it. God, we invite you by your Holy Spirit into our, into our inner self, into our thinking, into our, our fears and our shame, our, our concerns, our desires. We just pray, God, that you would, as we read your word, that you would just read our hearts and apply this reality so that we are changed in your presence. God, we need you. So we invite you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' mighty name, all God's people said, amen. 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 Ephesians chapter three, starting in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. 
So we went to Eastern Tennessee on our little getaway. And our, my plan was to do as little as possible. So I wanted to sleep in as late as possible. I wanted to drink coffee until as late as possible. I wanted to get into the car as late as possible. I wanted to go to bed as early as possible. And I wanted to eat as much as possible. That was my plan. Uh, and this was one of those vacations. And we went to a part of Tennessee where there isn't anything else to do but those things. There isn't Wi-Fi and cell phone reception. And uh, so we're in a cabin in the middle of the woods and Tiffany's dad and stepmom live not too far. And so we were visiting them every day. But I also know that nine days of that can get rather boring. And so I wanted to at least have a couple things that we could do if we decided that's what we wanted to do. And so I looked up the things that you could do in and around uh, Eastern Tennessee. And so one of the days we were there, we drove to Chattanooga to Lookout Mountain, which straddles the Tennessee and Georgia border. How many of you guys have ever been to... All right, bunch of you, all right. So it was our first time, we were noobs. And uh, so we went and uh, we went to Rock City, although Sea Rock City, so magical and exciting for the kids. Wait, great way to spend a few hours, awesome views, really cool stuff they've done there. And then uh, we, we kind of pushed Nana and Papa as far as they could go, and they had driven down in their own vehicle and spent the day with us there. But about three o'clock in the afternoon or so, they were ready to go home back to the porch, but we wanted to do one more thing while we were in Chattanooga. And so uh, we went to Ruby Falls. So uh, I looked up all these things. I wanted to have a plan, and I'm not a planner, but I needed to have a little plan. So Tiffany wasn't really a part of this. She's the planner in the family. And so I'm like, okay, look at Mountain, Rock City, Ruby Falls is right there, it's easy. And we'll go get dinner, and we'll go home, it's all planned. Well, um, I didn't explain to Tiffany exactly what Ruby Falls is. So when you hear Ruby Falls, you think waterfall, and that is true. It just happens to be a waterfall a thousand feet underground in a cave that's a half a mile from the entrance, which is at an elevator that goes 26 stories straight down into the middle of the earth, which never crossed my mind to mention. And so we, we get to Ruby Falls and you enter and exit through the gift shop. You're just like Disney. And uh, we get our little, we purchase our tickets. And our four-year-old Julian, he's in this stage where um, he's trying to get his head around how big everything is. And so he's asking these questions that he has no understanding of. And so uh, we're, we're going to Tennessee. We're trying to prepare him for the car ride because he's not really car friendly at four years old, you know? And so we got the iPads and the DVD players and snacks and a lunchbox and a blanket and a pillow and pushing them all the way to the back. And uh, so we're preparing him for this long drive. And so we're like, buddy, this is going to be a long drive. How long is it going to be? It's going to be uh, all day. All day? This is him. He yells once he's excited about the conclusion. And um, so this is the conversation we're having. And so here we are with this tour group, and we're, we're making our way through the cavern, which I had to duck for most of it. I'm 6'4", um, and so I'm, I'm doing this for most of the... And it's only about this wide in places. It opens up a couple times, but it's, very, it's a very small, dark, dank hallway, and you're getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And I'm in the back with Julian and my girls, my three daughters and my wife are in front of me, and I'm walking, watching their backs. And at one point, about a third of the way in, Tiffany turns around and she goes, how far is this? <laughs> and I could see the look on her face. And then the, the other girls looked, and Meredith and Molly both were like, what did, what did you bring us to? Where, where are we? And then Tiffany says, when do we come out of this cave to see the falls? And I was like, oh, we don't. We're going deeper and darker to get to these falls. And uh, a 
couple of the girls were not super excited. And uh, Julian had kind of injured his neck a little bit on our, our tractor ride. That's another story. I'll probably share it in the series. It's pretty humiliating for me, but I'll bring it up. And so here we are, and, and I'm talking to Julian, and everybody's kind of not super happy with Ruby Falls, and I'm trying to keep it all positive. So Julian is asking me, we're kind of at the tail end of this tour group. He goes, uh, how far is this, Dad? And I said, buddy, it's pretty deep. I'm not exactly sure. And then the tour guide says, uh, when we get to the falls, we'll be 1,100 feet below the surface of Lookout Mountain. And Julian inside the cave goes, 1,100 feet? You know? He still doesn't know how far that is. He has no reference point for that at all. How far was that elevator? That was 26. 26 stories? What's a story, Dad? How far is a story? He has no concept. And I'll be honest, I feel like a lot of us as Christians, we read passages like God's limitless love and God's, God's uh, the, the height and breadth and depth and, and width of God's love. And we go, wow, that's magnificent. But we're little more than a four-year-old going, that's so big. How big is that? Real big, real big. Yes. With no reference point to reality at all. And so I set out to, to read this in English and make sense of the words that are spoken. And yet there's a significant obstacle we have in that until you experience God's love and then you saturate yourself in it and it sustains you through trauma and loss and heartache and joy and life. It's hard to express to someone just how limitless God's love really is. And until you experience for yourself in a way that restores you from your losses, that redeems you from your mistakes, that lavishes riches upon you in your poverty, it's hard to just talk about it. And I love that the Apostle Paul takes the time in this very awkwardly written chapter to, to show us this kind of layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of where this limitless love of God is meant to take us. And so as I read this passage, I see that Paul, Paul is praying for what is humanly impossible. He's praying an impossible prayer. This will never happen unless God answers this prayer. You will never, a human being apart from God's divine revelation will never understand or experience God's love even to the nth degree. Never happen. And so it's humanly impossible, but it's divinely purposed. This is what God in Jesus was doing was to reveal his love for the whole world. And so the early church fathers and the scripture writers, the apostles, they're writing to expound upon and to explain God's love for everyone as seen in Jesus. And the apostle Paul recognizes this is humanly impossible, but divinely purposed. And so what does he do? He stops to pray and his prayer is so multi-layered and it builds. And there's like these at least seven steps that I can see in this passage that it's just one thing that leads to another, that leads to another, that leads to another, that leads to another, that gets us to being full to the full of the fullness of God, which seems to be a nonsensical reality that we can't even quite fathom. And then he ends with this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. And so it begins with this global context. Do you notice that the apostle Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father. Oftentimes he'll say our father 
my father, Jesus would say, but he says the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. He's aware that there is nothing outside of the realm of creation that does not belong to God. There is no person that does not emanate from God's creative purpose. Every single human being you interact with has a divine value to God and is an object of God's limitless love, every single person. And God is doing something because of what Jesus has done to fulfill and through the church to bring this good news of God's love to all people and to transform the globe. And so this prayer has a global context and an eternal scope. Look where it ends in verse 20. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power already at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's eternal in scope. It has no end in sight. It's meant to reach everyone. Most importantly, and I think we want to draw our attention to as we kind of get some handles for this prayer, is that it's built with brackets. It is a petition, but it ends with praise. The Apostle Paul is asking God to do something. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. This is, a, this is a position of prayer. A petition is being made that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you. That's an interesting word, grant. Some of your translations may say give, but the word there is didomi, and it means to grant the request of a person. And so Paul is asking on your behalf, but this is also a prayer that you are meant to pray in order that God may answer it. This is why I'm urging you to consider spending some time daily in these verses and making this your own prayer to say, God, would you grant this to me? Would you give me eyes to see? Would you let me experience? Now listen, when I read the description of Ruby Falls and it said a 2200 foot-long trail to this beautiful underground waterfall. Nothing in my brain connected with what that 2,200-foot walk was going to feel like. Do you know that? I was like, yeah, that's kind of like a quarter mile, but I'm in good shape. Yeah, you can't breathe down there, okay? It's like wet and heavy. I can't explain it till you get down there. You go, and it's not warm, it's cold, wet air. You're like, what is the oxygen content of this cave? You ever watch those space movies and they come out of the spaceship on a different planet and they take their helmet off? And you're like, how do you know the quality of that atmospheric condition? How do you know there's the right mix of carbon dioxide and oxygen and nitrogen that you're gonna be able to breathe? That's how I felt down in that cave. I was like, oh, I know air is going in and out of my lungs, but I'm getting a little lightheaded. This is a little funny. It was funky down there, I'm telling you the truth. So it's one thing to say, it's a quarter of a mile walk there and a quarter of a mile walk back. It's another thing when the tour guide says, if you would all please stand with your back to the wall, another group is coming by. Remember that hallway I talked about making our way through? Now we're going in there twosies. Hey, how's it going? Good to meet you. Rubbing bellies with people. I know we just met. Was it good? Was it good? All right, awkward. Moving along. That wasn't in the description, was it? No. There's something to be said for being told about something and then experiencing it for yourself, isn't it? And this is, the love of God is like this. You can come here and hear us talking about it, but until you've been in it, until you've felt its weight, you don't really know what it is you're talking about. How, how powerful is it? It's so powerful! But what's that even mean? So Paul wants God to answer this prayer. 
And, and the reality is that God will answer this prayer. This is not a prayer that God's stingy about. It's just one that maybe sometimes we fail to ask. And when he answers this prayer, the effect of it is so overwhelming that there aren't good human words to describe it. And so it doesn't make sense on paper that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. The creation cannot contain God. He cannot be understood. He is eternal. He's beyond scope. And yet the calling and the description is that when God answers this prayer for you to encounter this limitless love, you will then be full with the fullness of God, not missing anything. And so the apostle Paul gets to the end of this petition. When God answers it, all you can do is praise him. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. To him be glory in Christ Jesus. In the church, this is where this is happening. And so we got these brackets. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you these steps. I'm going to talk about them just briefly. And then we're going to take our time in the weeks to come to dive into each one of these and to understand what the apostle is communicating and what our experience of those should be. I want to take you deep down inside of the caverns of God's love. I want to let you breathe in the air and experience its parameters. And I want to bring you out to something hidden for ages, mysterious. Think about this Ruby Falls. Ruby Falls was discovered when they were building a railway through North Georgia and Eastern Tennessee. And then the railway, in order to continue, they actually needed to block up the entrance to Ruby Falls. And so a speculator bought the adjacent lot with some investors and just started digging down in hopes that he could find a way to it. And when they got to the 260 feet mark of their shaft that they were building, they discovered an 18-inch opening. And they had the wherewithal to, without electric power, with a, a torch lamp, start crawling in the direction of where Ruby Falls was known to be, to be able to find. I mean, they crawled inside of an 18-inch gap, like getting under the subfloor of a house for seven hours before they got to a place where they could actually stand up. And they were little fellers too. They were little guys. Seven hours. And they were motivated because of the beauty of this waterfall. 60 feet spilling down into an underground lake, disappearing from sight, a cavern with this beautiful waterfall that no one would ever see and that had been hidden from human sight for millennia. And now it's available, not just to know about, not just to see pictures of, but to go there, to immerse yourself, to d descend and to explore and to experience. And that's what I want to do in this, in this series. But in order for us to do that, I just want to introduce you to these steps. You'll notice if you listened, we heard again and again and again the word that, the English word, so that, that, so we need this to happen, that this can happen, that this can happen, that this and this can happen, so that this can happen. Did you guys see that as we read it? And this is kind of the, the building steps. Look at step one. The first thing the Apostle Paul thinks to ask for is not the thing he's aiming at when he talks about being full with the fullness of God. He starts in verse 16b, petitioning God that we, his, his readers, the Christian church, might be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but you have an inner being. You have an inner being. You have an internal sense of self. 
I remember when my dad turned 40. I'm turning 40 here in just several weeks. I remember my dad turned 40. And I said, Dad, what does it feel like to be 40? He said, I feel 18. We got him a hat that said, I'm not 40. I'm 18 with 22 years of experience. And I remember thinking, that's the weirdest thing for an old guy to say. And as I've matured into an old guy, I'm here to tell you that it doesn't feel any different on the inside. I've learned a lot of things, but it still feels like me. Anybody feel like that? And part of that is because we have an outer man and we have an inner man. We have this thing that's going on on the inside. We're growing and developing, but we stay essentially ourselves. Do you realize it? And ancients have always talked about it in different ways, the soul, the spirit, the mind and heart. And there's this there's this hard way of describing what's going on on the inside of us. And the Apostle Paul has already explained to everyone that you are composed of both an inner man and an outer man. But the problem is, without God, your inner man is dead, spiritually dead, incapable. In fact, you're just being led around. It's weekend of Bernie's in there, everyone. It is. That's what's happening. The world, the flesh, and the devil are just taking you wherever they want to go, and you're just, that's what's going on. Spiritually, your inner man has no capacity, no life. But when the good news about Jesus, about God's great love, and how he fulfilled that love with his promises to transform every human being, your inner man comes to life. God makes us alive together with Christ. Do you know it? And now you begin this journey of an alive inner man, alive to God, alive to spiritual realities, the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, leading you, convicting you and convincing you, bringing your conscience to life, changing the course of your life and empowering new callings and ministry. Isn't it amazing? And so we have this inner man, this inner man. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that our outer man is wasting away, but our inner man is being renewed day by day. Do you know that? It's a beautiful thing. I'm so grateful for it. Uh, we stayed in a Verbo on our vacation. It's the only way to travel when you have four children. It's either that or get like four hotel rooms. We can't afford to do that. And so we got a Verbo. And one of the questions we always have, you look at the pictures, you want to pick one that's nice. Have you guys done this vacation rental by, by owner Verbo? You know what that means, what I'm talking about? Okay, so you rent somebody else's house. And um, so we did that. And you can look at the pictures. You can look at the location. There's a lot of things you can see before you book it. You can read the reviews. One of the things you never, ever know about is what are those mattresses going to feel like? And so that first night, we're at the vacation rental. And we lay down in the bed. And both Tiff and I are both like, oh, boy, this is going to be a doozy, right? But you're like, OK, it's just vacation, right? Whatever, we're going to lay down. So uh, you wake up the next morning. You're like, that was not good sleep. I missed my bed, day one. Um, by day three, I went upstairs to the girls' room and I felt their bed, same size mattress. It was like 10% better, so I swapped mattresses. That's, that is what happened. They're just kids. They weigh like nothing, you know? What? Why are you guys looking at me like that? See, it was a prudent thing to do. Do you want a grumpy, stiff dad on vacation? No. No. Does it really matter what your bed feels like? No, it doesn't. This is not a parenting class. Anyway, so we switched the mattresses, and it was softer, but this thing happened in their mattress where everything moved to the middle. And so we kept waking up like on each other. And, um, and it was getting worse and worse. And I started feeling this kind of like, like low back discomfort. But the, by the last night of vacation, it was like really bad. And I woke up the morning we were leaving with like my back like totally out. Like I was walking late. It was bad. And then I'm loading the car, all of our big heavy bags and the camper topper thing on top of the car. And then we have to drive for nine hours. And it's a nice car, but it's not that nice. <laughs> and uh, 
it was pretty miserable. And I come home to two days of epic surf and no work, and my back is too far out to even go in the water. And I'm like, God, do you even love me? What are you doing? You know? But the reality is, is that while my inner man was being renewed through rest and relaxation, I still have this body that's getting older and older. And some of you are looking at me like, you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> just, just shut it. Just zip it. My back hurts. <laughs> I see the look on your face. I know. I know. I see it. I'm ready. I'm ready. The reality is, is that God made us in this human form, and it's decaying and decomposing, but he wants to do a miracle on the inside. He wants us to turn us into the most passionate, faith-filled, sacrificial, generous, kind, old people who are falling apart. Do you know that? And he wants us to instill a vision of the world and God and his truth and his power into the next generation. And that's meant to go on generation after generation into the, into the future. And that is a beautiful calling, isn't it? And God wants to do that. I love this word, strengthened. It's hard to capture the Greek vocabulary in English words, but it's not one of the words for strong. There's many words for strong. Paul has already used a bunch of them. We talked about that in the previous series. He likes to use ergo and dunamis and uh, exousia. These are the words for power and authority and strength. But he doesn't use that one. The word he uses here is a, a, a more rare word, kratao. And it's used in the Old Testament in a very different way than in the New Testament. In the, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's used to talk about a repair, a repair to the temple, a repair to the wall. And the idea is that something is stronger than it was from the first, once it's had the right repair. If you've ever done some construction, you know like, okay, this house was built and that wasn't quite done right and it caused this problem and we're gonna go in there and fix it. And when we fix it, it's gonna be stronger than it ever was. And this is what that word means. And this gives me so much hope because the love of God is meant to be renovating our inner man. Uh, I can tell you that all of my destructive patterns of behavior stemmed from the brokenness of my inner man. Fear of being abandoned or embarrassed or ashamed of not having enough. So many of my worst character attributes flow from a brokenness that I'm trying to patch by myself. Whether that is using your tools to control other people, whether it's manipulation or anger, threats or stonewalling or deceitfulness, we're broken and so we seek to control the world around us by manipulating people. What happens is we just create more damage for everybody. And none of those things will ever work. They will never set you free. You can never maintain or project a reality that is not the real you and control what everybody thinks of you. It'll never happen. Do you know that? It'll only break you and alienate you from other people. You can never yell enough to get people to do what you want. You can never call enough names. You can never shut people out and cut them off. You don't have the control, but the reality is you do have some brokenness. But when God invites you into a life-giving relationship through faith in Jesus, his spirit goes to work on the places in your heart that need repair. And when he builds back, he builds back better. Do you know that? He's the only one who can. Do you want to let him strengthen you by his spirit's power in your inner being? Well, you need that to start happening before you're ever going to get to the place where you can experience the fullness of God. 
I'm obviously say I won't have time to get through even introducing all seven of these, but I want you to have some handles as you read this. Notice the word so that in verse 17, as we see step two. We need to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We talked about this in one of the previous sermons, but one of the most amazing things about God is that he doesn't wait for you to get your act together before he moves right in. I warned everybody, never, ever, ever live in your reno. Anybody else made that mistake? We're gonna renovate the kitchen. It's gonna take a week and a half. (laughs) You'll be washing dishes in the bathtub at next Christmas. That's what's gonna happen, right? It's terrible. You're like, I haven't had any friends over since 1994. (laughs) Why? Everything's under construction. You don't want to live in that, do you? But God moves right in. He says, by faith, he wants Christ to dwell in your heart, literally to make his home inside of you through faith. I love that about my relationship with Jesus. Um, I try to be like mostly transparent with you guys. Like I just say things like they are and I kind of tell you the things that I'm going through. Not everything. Some of you who know me better know everything, but you guys don't all want to know everything. I don't want to know everything about you. But, but I, want to be, I want to be transparent with you. I want you to recognize that there's no such thing as a perfect person. Uh, and there's not some elite class of people who are better than other people. There's people in this audience right now far more mature than me that know more than me and God just didn't call them to do what I'm doing. I'm just trying to be me and do what God's called me to do. I want you to be you and do what God's called you to do. Can I get amen? And we're all in this together and we're kind of on this sliding scale. We don't judge each other because we all start from different places and we're all going different places and God's doing a thing right now. We just celebrate that one thing and he's doing that as Christ dwells in our hearts. Do you know that? And so we want to be real about what that is. It's part of being a loving community. But you're not actually prepped to experience the power and presence of God's love in your heart until you're able to just go, hey, I'm actually born with broken and God's doing some reno, but he's not afraid to live in here. Do you know that? And so I got nothing to pretend. I got nothing to project. I just, I'm, I am who I am. I'm where I'm at. And I, I can't rewrite my story and pretend things are different, but I have a God that doesn't, he's not asking me to. He's working with me, you know? And we want to be people who are happy to help people just like that, to welcome people just like that. And this is when we begin to encounter the love of God, when we let him love us broken, when we let him do his work and recognize that he's happy to be in our hearts by faith right now. You see how these things build upon each other. The third thing, we see another that in the second half of 17 so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Part of letting Christ dwell in you and do his work in you is that you end up being rooted and grounded in love. Those are beautiful words. One of them is a kind of a nature analogy and the other one is kind of like a construction analogy. And so we're rooted. So you think of a tree and its roots going down. It has to do with being fixed in one place. Yes, but it's about the source of your spiritual life. It's about where does your power come from? Where does your joy come from? Where does your ability to overcome come from? It doesn't come from you. It comes from God's love. It's been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Christ has made his home. He's living inside the renovation, but he becomes the source of love. And we've got to start experiencing that source. We've got to start breathing in the air of God's love for us right now. We want to be rooted in love and we want to be grounded in love. We do this thing. uh, We'll talk more about this, but we do this thing where we run for something and we use it as long as it works. But then when it stops working, we go do something else. I don't know if you've ever done this before. 
If you've had, if you've had nine boyfriends, this may be for you, okay? <laughs> All right? You go, I'm looking for, and, blah, 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 and everything looks good, and then you kind of plumb the depths of loser, number one, and then you find something that you're lacking, and then you're like, ah, try somebody else. And so we do, we do this thing with jobs. I'm gonna be so fulfilled. I like to work with my hands. And you're like, this is hard. I'm not doing this. I need a desk job. And you're like, I'm so I'm boring, monotonous. I'm gonna try this, and try this, try this. And we do these things, and we don't stay put. Do you realize it? Over and over, in the scriptures, the call is to abide, Jesus says in John 15, abide in my love. Like, I'm going to move into your heart, but I'm asking you to actually kind of stay put, to just chill out. And that doesn't mean chill out in a city. It doesn't mean stay put in a church. It really means stay in your relationship with God. Don't go, you know what? This Jesus thing didn't work out the way I'm going to try something else, right? You understand? Because when you're, and, and sometimes we're, we're trying to keep our faith but it's a trophy on a shelf. It's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Jesus follower, chunk, but I'm over here trying to find life in my career. I'm over here trying to find life in the next relationship, in the next hobby, in that boat I'm saving up for, in the new truck, in the bigger house, and you're looking at the stuff and you're spending all your time on the stuff, but that stuff will never feed you, brothers and sisters. And so you gotta stay rooted so you have a source and you gotta stay grounded so you don't run off. And we see this, that, that, that. Step four, verse 18, that you may have strength. So we come back. This is a different word for strength. It's one that's never used anywhere else in the whole Bible. It's a really, really weird word. It's exiskuo. I've never even seen it. I didn't even know this word was in the Bible until this week. Read it and I went, I don't know that word. That's because it's only here once. It means eminently able. Eminently able. You ever have anybody ask you to recommend a plumber? I get asked this all the time. People just assume that I know everybody and I know who to recommend. People ask me, do you know a good painter? I'm like, well, I know seven painters. I don't, I don't know if I can say good painters. Like, I don't, what are you asking for? What is this, Angie's list over here? What do you, I don't know what you're, what you're looking for. But you know when you meet somebody who's very highly skilled and you're like, oh, this is your person. Come on, anybody? And they're like, do you know, uh, and they say the thing, yeah, I actually do know somebody. I know this plumber that is so OCD. It'll all be perfect. That's good, because I want my plumbing to be perfect, right? Eminently able. That's what this word means. That you may have strength, eminent ability to comprehend, to get your mind around with all the saints. So we're in this together. What is the breadth and length and height and the depth of the love of Christ? Now think about this for a second. We're going to go on this little journey together, exploring the parameters, the dimensions of God's love. And just like our Ruby Falls trip, we're going to go down to some levels we've never been to. We're going to feel some feelings we've never felt. We're going to venture into some places. Halfway through, I'm like, I thought it was the most amazing thing ever. I'm like, this is incredible. I'm like, babe, what do you think? She's like, we should not be down here. <laughs> we were not made to be here. This is like the secret recesses of the earth that God wants us to just worship him knowing they exist. No human should have ever wanted to traverse this cave. Like this is the feeling that she's having. And then she's looking at me and it's been like 800 feet. She's like, are we almost there? I'm like, oh, I don't wanna tell her. No, we are not almost there. We're gonna pass three more tour groups and take nine turns. Then we get to the end of the tour, right? And here's our tour guide. He goes, we're about to head up to the elevator. I thought it'd be interesting if you guys knew that in 1988, we had one tour that went down here and the elevator broke. Now we're stuck down here for 16 hours. There was only one guy that could fix the elevator and he was in Atlanta. And when he got here, he realized he needed a part that they only had at his shop. 
in Atlanta. And so he drove back and forth. And he's like, after that, we opened up another exit that's another 900 feet in the opposite direction that comes out to a door on the side of the road and we pick you up with a van. <laughs> this is what he's telling my wife who's just endured Ruby Falls, okay? And then he said, uh, it was too dark to tell. And then he says, he said, those people who had that experience, uh, they were all given uh, a free meal and uh, lifetime passes to Ruby Falls. <laughs> and I said out loud, which they never used, right? They've seen enough of Ruby Falls for the rest of their life. They explored the space. God wants to invite you into an experience that will blow your mind. And it really is a magical experience. And when we got to the end of Ruby Falls and you're in this cathedral, this natural cathedral, and there's just fresh water spilling out of the ceiling, 60 feet down, cascading into an underground lake in front of you. And you're thinking, how majestic is this? It really is, even if you're terrified of being a thousand feet underground and you wish you were at the surface, it's really a majestic experience. Now I'm here to tell you that there's nothing terrifying about exploring God's love, but you won't really know what it's like until you see it for yourself. And so these words give us handles to begin to experience this. Step five says to know the love of Christ and to know. And so we want to comprehend, but we also want to know. And this is that knowledge from experience and you won't know until. And what happens when you begin to experience it is that all of the things that motivate you in your heart and mind, in your inner being, all the things that shape you and drive you, those things begin to be replaced by the fullness of God himself. When you begin to be rooted and grounded in love, God's love begins to well up inside of you and it pushes out all the other motivators, all the other fears, all the other behaviors. And, and, and God just begins to pour out of you. I had this experience, I'll close with this and we'll get into this in the series, but I had this experience um, a few months ago, we ordered Julian um, some Tinker Toys. Remember Tinker Toys? So they had this little set that he got for his birthday and he loves them so much, but he's always running out of pieces. And so we ordered him like the big 50 piece set or 100 piece set or whatever it was. And um, it came through Amazon and we didn't want to give it to him right away. It was for his birthday. And so I left it on the porch and then we decided a couple days later, like, okay, we're just going to give it to him. And I went out to get it and it was gone. And so I get on the ring camera and I find this drunk guy coming up on my porch at three in the morning, grabs the package right next to my camera, full, I mean, you can see everything about him, takes it and just walks off with the Julian's Tinker Toys. I was so mad. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, are you kidding me? And I'd never seen this guy before. So I put the thing on ring and I put it on next door and I'm telling everybody, oh, my package stolen. And it was wonderful. I got to experience the beauty of internet comments. You idiot, you can't leave a package on your porch. It's beautiful. That's a whole other sermon. Uh, people are awesome. And so I put it out there. Well, like a week later, I see the guy walking past my house. Now, this is not like, is that the guy? This is like, I mean, he has like the most distinctive height, facial hair, tattoos. It's the guy, okay? It's 100% the guy. The, the only way you could prove to me that it's not the guy is if you put him next to the guy and they're identical twins, you're going, oh, that's the guy. That, that's the, this is the guy. And, um, and like without even thinking about it, 
I just jumped up out of my seat, ran down, I was like, hey, hey, come here. And he looks at me all wide-eyed and I pull out my phone and I pull up the ring camera and I go, hey, is this you? Just like that, confronted him right in the middle of the road. Kids are like, daddy, what are you doing? Is this you? He's like, did you, you enjoy my son's tinker toys? Buddy, what's your name? Mike. What's your last name, Mike? Jones. Your name's not Mike Jones, Mike Jones. But this is you. That's not me. I don't do stuff like that, you know? So I was like, all right, I got my eye on you. I went back up on the porch. Tough guy. I'm a real tough dad. I really am. I was ready to go. I was ready to throw down with this guy. What? Give me my toys back. So, so I'm studying this verse and I'm thinking of how I am, my needs for repair, <laughs> presence of Christ. And I'm asking God just to overwhelm me with his love. What, is this, what does it look like, God, for you to be like overwhelmed and just pushing, like filling me to the point where it's pushing out everything else? You know what he said to me? By his spirit, this is what he does. This is what happens. This is what you'll start to experience. He said, remember Mike Jones? He's a person. Remember how you always say people are more important than things? How do you think I feel about you making your introduction to Mike Jones, an assault on his character, an accusation, and a threat? Was that, was that love welling up, son? All these prayer says to me. Sorry. And so now I'm waiting for Mike Jones to walk by because I got words for Mike. And my words are gonna be this. I'm gonna say, Mike, I'm sorry for the way that I confronted you in the road. I'm pretty sure you stole that package. You say you didn't, but whether you did or didn't, I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna say this. And I'm gonna tell you when I say this, it's happening. I'm gonna say, whether you did or didn't, uh, you are more important than Tinker Toys to God and to me. And I'm sorry for treating you that way. And so I know you live nearby here. I've seen you walking by a few times. And I just want you to know I'm sorry. Um, and my name's Jesse, by the way, because he's a person. And God dwells with me in my brokenness. And I've done plenty of things worse than stealing toys off the porch. And uh, he didn't threaten me or demand repayment. He moved in and started up a renovation that's changed my life for the better. And that's who I know God to be and that's how I wanna live my life. And um, I also ordered some new toys <laughs> for Julian. God, I thank you that your love for us is greater than we can ever really explore and experience. But as we read this prayer and then turn our attention to the standard of living and the way you're calling us to live in the world. God, we want to, we want to come to you with this prayer that you would grant this to us, that we would be strengthened through your spirit in our inner being, that we would be rooted and grounded in love, that, that we would have strength to comprehend with all the saints, the parameters of your love and to know it from experience that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. God, the world needs this. This is, this is a global project, and yet it starts right here. And every generation needs this, and it's an eternal scope. So God, as we bring this petition to you personally, we have every expectation that it will result in praise. And we invite you 
to meet with us in your word and to begin to empower this transformation as we come to experience your limitless love. We thank you for what you will do. And we love you in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I really hope you'll join us uh, for this series. And if you're here and you have any need of prayer, our prayer teams are here. Our altar ministers would love to pray with you no matter what it is. And especially if you are interested in understanding more about taking steps to put your faith in and follow Jesus, they'd love to help you with that. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday.